Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Today is going to be a great day, is it not? Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Come on, let's be a little more lively here. Listen, I know we just celebrated all the mothers and stuff like that, and that is by far the most important thing this morning, to honor all the mothers who are here right now and obviously the ones who are joining us online. So happy Mother's Day to you guys once again. Let's give it up one more time for all the moms out there. Listen, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have a mom, right? She's the most important woman in my life after my wife because, you know, I'm married now. So, you know, I got to make sure there's a hierarchy there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my name is Eddie in case we have any first time visitors with us here today. And I just want to tell you right now that I am super excited for today. Actually, that's a lie. I am always excited. But today, just a little bit more than usual. It's not the Red Bull. It's not the espresso. It's not the cafe that I had this morning. It's none of that. It's because this morning, I get the honor of preaching from one of my favorite books, and that is the book of Proverbs. Now, you see, this whole entire year so far, we have been traveling through each and every single book of the Bible looking for God's sightings. And basically, what the God's sightings are is moments in that book, in that story, that God makes an appearance, or where God shows up, or where God teaches us something, or where God shows us something that can transform our lives. And these God sightings are so important, and that's why this whole entire year, we've been learning about them. We've been trying our best to apply them, because if we apply these God sightings in our life, an amazing thing happens. We begin to start to dwell in the presence of God. And dwelling in God's presence is not just a Sunday thing. It's not just a 1030 to 1215 thing while you're here. No, the reason why we want to teach you these things and and have you guys learn them is because when Monday comes, you can dwell in God's presence. When Tuesday comes, you can dwell in God's presence. When Wednesday hits and Sunday looks very far back and you really need something to go, you can dwell In God's presence. It's not just a Sunday type of thing. And one of the most amazing things happens when we begin to consistently dwell in God's presence. Your life begins to change. Your life begins to transform. You begin to experience things that you would not be able to experience otherwise had you not been dwelling in God's presence. You begin to experience his favor, his blessing, his love that much more, his forgiveness, his healing. All these wonderful things happen when we are dwelling consistently in the presence of God. And in the book of Proverbs, it's no different. Let me just show you what I mean by that really fast. You see, the book of Proverbs, this is my first point, the book of Proverbs is known as the book of wisdom. Or, if it shows up right there, maybe, maybe not, I'm not sure. Wait, wait, is it there? No? Okay, all right. The book of wisdom or the sayings of the wise. 
The main author of the book is Solomon, David's son. And apart, and apart from Jesus, Solomon is, is considered the wisest person who has ever lived. The wisest person, better than Elon Musk. And in this book, which is called the Book of Wisdom or Saying of the Wise, we have the wisdom of God. Now, just to put that into perspective, you have the creator of the universe, the creator of time itself, the creator of the past, present, and future of every single event that will ever happen, the creator of the past, present, and future for you, who is knowledgeable in all things, who all things came through, you have his wisdom. You have his wisdom being spoken through the writings of Solomon. It's not Solomon thinking he's smart and he's wise and he's writing these really cool sayings. No, it's the wisdom of God being spoken through the writings of Solomon. In essence, Solomon is just a huge microphone echoing the heart and the mind and the will of God. That's amazing. And if you want an immediate God sighting, if you haven't had a God sighting in a while, all you have to do is open up to the book of Proverbs, pick out a verse, and boom, you'll have one. You'll have one. Now, one of the most interesting things about the book of Proverbs is the reason why it was written. Yes, it was written to impart to us God's wisdom. That goes without saying. But more specifically than that, it was written to show us It was written to show us how to live out God's wisdom in our everyday living. It's that practical. It's practical application. When you look at, there's some some books in the Bible where you open it up and you almost feel like you need an FBI spy agent to decipher what God is saying. Because it's complicated. I can't lie. There's some verses that I read. I'm like, God, what are you talking about here? I don't get it. Right? That happens all across the Bible. But in Proverbs... It's almost very, very plain. And I'm not saying God is dumbing it down, but it's very, very easy for us to understand. It's very, very easy for us to see how Proverbs can be applied to our lives. In essence, what God is doing here is that he is giving us the direction. Every proverb is a direction. He is giving us the direction that we should head in in order to avoid malicious circumstances. He is giving us the direction that we should head in to stand clear of any unfortunate circumstance. He is giving us the direction that we should go in, how we should apply it to our everyday life so that we can avoid the pitfalls that the world has waiting for us the moment you walk out of these doors. In the book of Proverbs, God points out the path. He points out the road that we should travel on so that when the weight of the world falls on our shoulders, and believe me, if you live long enough, you know what that feels like. You know what it feels like to have the weight of the world fall on your shoulders. Some of us may even feel like we're having the weight of the world on our shoulders right now. But if we were to read and take the direction of God, He can show us how to move out from under that weight. That's how amazing the book of Proverbs is. It shows us how to apply the wisdom of God so that we are heading in the direction of his will. And I love that word direction. Say direction really fast. Direction. Say direction really fast. 
That word direction is so powerful. I love that word. But I believe sometimes, unfortunately, we get that word confused with intention. With intention. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You see, sometimes we think our intention determines our direction. We think sometimes our intention determines our destination. And what I mean by that is this, is that regardless of what our intentions might be, our aim, our goal, our plan, if the direction that we're heading in doesn't line up with that intention, we tend to think that our intentions will override our direction. We tend to think that our directions will veto the outcome of whatever path and road it leads to. We, even if it's something bad, we think our intentions will veto that. If we think it's good and we're not heading down that way, we think our intentions will lead us down that way anyway, and everything will turn out in our favor. But that's simply not true. How many of you have ever said this to yourself, or maybe you've even said it to somebody else in your life? How many, how many of you ever said this? Well, it wasn't my intention to do that. How many of you have ever said that before? Oh, somebody raise their hand. Somebody over here. Somebody over here. Or how about maybe you said this? How about you said, it was never my intention for it to end up that way. Why is that? It's because our direction, not our intention, is the thing that determines the outcome. It's what determines our outcome. And I hate to pop all the bubbles, and I hate to burst everything right now, but that's the truth. And it brings it to this point. Direction, not intention, determines our destination. Direction, not intention, determines our destination. And that is why in the book of Proverbs, if you take a look at it, God is constantly telling us, not intention, God is constantly telling us, the direction that we should go in. Because God knows that it's the direction, it's the path that you are on that determines where you will end up. Let me give you a really cool example of this. I'm going way back, back in the time. About 18 years ago, man, I sound old. Jeez. About 18 years ago, I was going to change the number when I was writing this. I'm like, no, nah, I can't lie. I got I to tell the real number. About 18 years ago, the church that I was a part of at the time, we went on this youth ministry retreat, and it was to a church in Chicago that was a very, very popular church at the time, and we were going there not only to experience what this really popular church was like, but to get training, to get training. I was going to get trained on the soundboard, this and that, there was other stuff going on. Now, I remember this trip for two specific reasons. One, it was, well, three specific reasons. One, it was very, very far away. From New Jersey to Chicago, it's like a 13-hour drive. Let me just show you the picture really fast if it shows up. Boom, look at that. Look at that blue little line over there from A all the way to B. It's a 13-hour drive. So the pastor at the time, the youth pastor at the time, got all of us in a van, about 12 or 13 of us in a van, on a 13-hour trip all the way to Chicago. Now, the second reason why I remember this trip very, very well and very, very vividly is because this is the trip where me and my wife first held hands. Ah, there it is. Ah, yeah. Mother's Day. Glad I got that covered. 
Who would have known holding hands leads to babies? Watch out. Hey. Hey. I'm not going to be up here for a while. <laughs> so, right, right. That was the second reason why I remember this. Now, the third reason why I remember this trip is because after we were done, after we were done, we packed up all our bags and we started heading back home. Now, there was this chauffeur. His name was Jeff. Jeff was a really cool guy, very assertive, very smart. He didn't want any help driving on the way back. So we were like, yo, we have confidence in Jeff. Jeff is good. So we're all in the back of the van, chilling, doing whatever, blah, blah, whatever. Two hours go by, and somebody in the van is like, hey, none of this looks familiar. None of these signs are pointing to New York or New Jersey or anything like that. Are we lost? Hey, Jeff, are we lost? And all of us were hoping that Jeff would be so confident and say, nah, we're not lost. We're good. He just stood frozen just like this. Like, his, like deer in a headlight. Like he was just driving down, you know, oh, don't ask me again. Don't ask me again. And then all of us were like, yo, Jeff, we good? Are we good? No, we're not good. What do you mean we're not good? We're lost. How long have we been lost for? For about two hours. <laughs> Bro. So we pulled over. We found our location on the map, and this is where we kind of ended up at, right? This is the second picture. Look at that. Look at that. Come on now. Two hours in the wrong direction. Jeff didn't drive the rest of the way back. And we got home. We got home. Poor Jeff. I love that guy. There's a weird thing about getting lost, though. Maybe you can relate to this. Whatever road you're on determines where you end up. Whatever road you're on determines where you end up. Whatever path, highway, street, or trail you might be on, you will end up where that path takes you, not where you intended to be. Not where you intended to be. I can assure you that it was not Jeff's intention to get lost, because it's never our intention to get lost, right? It never is. But that didn't matter. What mattered was the road, the direction that Jeff was heading in. Because that is what determines where we ended up. Now, what's true in the driving area of life, it's true in every area of our lives. Every area of our lives. There are financial paths. There are weight loss paths. There are parenting roads. There are degree paths. There are job trails, husband highways, resolution streets, and more, all of which have their own destinations, good or bad, regardless of what our intentions are. The real question that has to be asked this morning between each and every single one of us is, are you on the right road? Are you heading in the right direction? Are you heading in the right direction? Or maybe you might need a change of course. I have heard so many stories of disconnect, of people who have ended up lost, not where they intended to be. Over and over again, I hear stories of marriages ending in divorce, people on the verge of financial ruin, relationships between boyfriends and girlfriends ending badly, parents who no longer talk to their children, or vice versa, children who no longer talk to their parents, all because they have intention, but their direction is pointing them somewhere else. 
a single woman will say, I want to meet and one day marry a great Christian guy. Good intention. That's a great intention. But then she dates whoever asks her out just because he's cute. Direction. A single guy, guys, you're not left out on this. A single guy will say, I want a great sex life once I'm married. It's good intention. I'm really not going to be up here for a while. (laughs) A single guy says, I want a great mm, life once I'm married. But he practices with every girl he dates along the way. Direction. A married woman says, I want to have a great relationship with my husband. Good intention. But she makes the children a priority over him. She talks down to him. She's condescending to him. And she doesn't give him the respect that the word says she should. Direction. A husband says, I want my kids to respect me as they grow up. Intention. But then he openly flirts with every girl in the neighborhood. Direction. A young Christian person will say, I want to develop a deep and lasting intimacy with God, intention, but spends more time online and on his phone and playing video games than reading the word, direction. A couple will say, we want our children to develop a personal relationship with God and choose friends that have done the same. Intention. But then they skip church every weekend and head to the beach because the weather's nice. Direction. These are all pathways that have specific destinations regardless of our intentions. I'm pretty sure that you've heard some really crazy stories from some of your friends about some things that they've told you about situations that have blown up in their face. And as you're listening to their story, you're like, yo, you didn't see that coming? Like, you, I saw all the red flags as you was talking. I saw every single thing that you're like, it just, I saw it before you even told me anything about it. What's wrong with you? It's so easy for us to see the road, the path that other people are on. But when it comes down to looking in the mirror, we don't want to see that we're heading in the wrong because we think our is best. Now, this concept is really nothing new. It's not. In the book of Proverbs, Solomon gives us this really awesome story about how direction versus intention can really affect our lives. And I love this story because here's the thing. If you don't read your Bible a lot, and I'm not, and I'm, that's not me saying anything negative about you guys, but I'm just saying there are stories in the Bible that sometimes when I tell them, people are caught by surprise. The reason why you're caught by surprise is because you don't read, you don't read your Bible. <laughs> right? I'm not, again, I'm just, if it applies to you, it applies. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm just saying. I'm putting it out there in, in the atmosphere. If you grab it, you grab it. You don't, whatever. Right? But it's this really great story, and the reason why I love it so much is because it illustrates this principle very, very well. There's a young man in this story who has a very specific intention. And Solomon is gazing, looking upon the whole situation as it unfolds. And Solomon notices that this person is on a very specific direction. 
that has a very predictable ending. And I want to share it with you guys. You guys ready? All right. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6. Here we go. At the window of my, Solomon talking. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. Now this window that Solomon is looking through, this lattice, it kind of looks something like this. If you've ever seen a lattice before, that's a lattice. A lattice is a special type of window that if you're the person on the other side of it, you can see everything. But if somebody's on the other side of that window looking back at you, they can't see you. It's a lattice. And the reason why I think this is so cool is because Solomon sees this youth in the evening as the sun is setting, heading in a, in a specific direction, but this youth doesn't see Solomon. I'm almost positive that if the youth did see Solomon and notice that there was somebody else looking at him, he wouldn't have did what he did. But it's funny how we do things when we think nobody's watching. But God is always watching. God is always watching. So we continue forward in verse 8. Solomon says this. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night was setting in. Now, let's be honest here. You guys don't have to be a Bible scholar to figure out what's going to happen, right? You know what's going to happen. The interesting thing about this is that here is this kid walking down the street as the sun is setting, heading towards this woman's house, and in the back of his mind, there's a soundtrack playing. He probably has intentions of having a really great time, of having a lot of fun. He probably has Drake, he probably has Usher playing in the back of his head right now. You know, the headphones on, chilling, doing whatever. He's like, I'm about to have a really great experience. It's awesome. But meanwhile, Solomon is looking out through the lattice. And he's seeing this whole thing unfold, and he has a soundtrack in his mind as well. It's not Usher. It's not Drake. It's the Jaws soundtrack. Dun-na. Dun-na. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And there is this huge contrast right off the bat that we can see between what this kid is experiencing or about to experience and how this old wise man sees it. And the reason why there is such a contrast is because the older, wiser man knows from experience where this path will lead him. The kid thinks it's about to be an exciting event, but Solomon says, no, you're going down a path. You're heading in a certain direction, and it has a very predictable ending. So we continue in verse 10. Then out came the woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. What is that? Like, I don't know what that is. Basically what she is saying, I'm not a prostitute. I have money. I'm not after your money. A fellowship offering is a monetary thing. I'm not after your money. That's what she's saying. I'm not after your money. Remember, she was dressed like a prostitute. 
she wasn't a prostitute. He continues on, I have fellowship, I'm sorry, she continues on, I have fellowship offering at homes. Today I have fulfilled my vows. Again, what does that mean? It means this. It means that she went to temple. It means that she went to church with her big bucket of sin. She dumped it at the altar, sacrificed a few animals, got forgiveness, and now she has a clean slate. And now she's ready to fill up her bucket again with him. And sometimes we do the same exact thing. Sometimes we do the same exact thing. Sometimes we'll do something so bad, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come Sunday, we'll come to the altar, we'll raise our hands in worship, we'll ask for forgiveness from God. And because he is so gracious, because he is so merciful, because he loves us so much, he will forgive us. That is true without the shadow of a doubt. But there are some of us, unfortunately, who repeat the cycle over and over and over again. And basically what we're saying is, God, I got you figured out. I got you figured out, God. I can do whatever I want with whoever I want, whenever I want. And all I got to do is come back on Sunday, ask for forgiveness, and you'll forgive me. I know that. You'll take one big eraser and you'll erase everything I did, and I'm ready for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I come back on Sunday, and I'm good. Let me tell you something. Your relationship with God at that point will never get any deeper than that. You will never come to know who God truly is if you keep your relationship with him that way. You'll never be able to experience the deep and intimate love that he has for you. You'll never be able to experience his faithfulness in your life. You'll never be able to experience his consistency in your life. You'll never be able to experience God's presence in your life because all you're doing is using him instead of letting him use you. And there's a difference. And that's what this woman was doing. That's what she was saying. I'm ready. I'm ready to come back and fill up my bucket with you. So look at what the next verse says. She, so I came out to meet not just anybody. This is her talking. I came out to meet you. I looked for you. And I have found you. And this guy is thinking, dude, she came out here looking for me. I am so special. I'm one of a kind. I'm the man of her dreams. This is unique. This is the stuff that romantic movies are made of. I came out just maybe hoping to see her, but she came out looking for me. I'm the man right now. I got it all under control. She came out looking for me. The volume in his head probably cracked at a 10 right now. It's at a 12. Usher's killing it. Verse 16, she gets real specific. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love, she says. And then verse 19 hits. My husband is not at home. I'm assuming that. It would have been awkward had he been there. Just saying. Speaking facts right now. Thank you for removing the only question I could have possibly had in my mind at that time. She goes on to say, my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. What does that mean? You can stay for breakfast. You don't got to get up and leave right away. 
I'll cook you pancakes, make you some eggs. You like orange juice? Stay a while. She goes on to continue. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. I wish, I wish I can go back in time. I wish I could go back, look at the status of the moon and find out how many days it would be till the next full moon to find out how long this guy was going to be there. Multiple days. You can come back tomorrow night. You can come back the night after that. You don't have to leave right away. You can move in if you want. Just be out by the next full moon. This, his intentions are like, this is great, but his direction. Verse 21, we're almost at the end. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her. He headed in her direction. He's probably thinking to himself, he's a super cool rock star right now. A dream come true. This is a good thing. Something that I'll remember for the rest of my life. Something that I will tell as a legendary experience. But the wiser old Solomon says this. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter. No, 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 no. Rock star. Music video. Everything's great and awesome. This is an awesome experience. What do you mean like an ox going? No, no, no. This is a great experience. What do you mean? No, 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 no. Like an ox going to the slaughter. It gets a little bit more graphic. Continuing on. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. Excuse me. You ever see a deer nestle somewhere before? They're so confident. They're so cool. But if you could just picture a deer trying to settle down, thinking that everything is okay, and then all of a sudden its leg gets caught in a noose. And all of a sudden the deer is struggling, 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 trying to get out. But every time the deer moves, every time the deer tries to escape, the noose gets tighter and tighter and tighter, and he can't go anywhere until all of a sudden he realizes from his peripheral there's been a hunter there the entire time that is now pulling back his arrow to pierce his liver. If that wasn't specific enough, Solomon gives us one more. And he says, it's like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him what? His life. You see, the youth in this story had intentions. The woman in this story also had intentions. But the only person that saw the direction was Solomon. It's a direction that regardless of his intention, it has a very predictable outcome, and Solomon sees it. Funny how that works, huh? That what's so obvious to those watching often escapes us. Getting lost in life and going down the wrong path, regardless of how good our intentions seem, has catastrophic consequences. Unlike driving, when you get lost in life, it's not a simple backtracking to where you made the wrong turn. No, 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 it's not like that. You can't backtrack life. You ever try to backtrack life before? You ever turn back time? Getting lost in life 
you don't waste minutes or hours like you do when you're driving. When you get lost in life, you can lose a whole season of your life. You can lose months. You can lose years even. Choosing the wrong path in life can and will cost you precious years, years you can't get back. So how do we resolve this issue? Solomon gives us another proverb. Jumping forward to Proverbs 27, 27, 12 says this, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. This verse tells us about two types of people, the prudent person and the simple person. The prudent person is somebody who is in the wisdom of God. The prudent person is somebody who is wise, but not wise in their own understanding. They're wise in the wisdom of God because they are somebody who reads the word of God and applies the word of God to their life. That is a prudent person. You want to be really wise? Don't be wise from your own experiences. Be wise because God is telling you what is wise. That's a prudent person. And what does the prudent person do when they see danger? According to the verse, they take refuge, which means what? They see danger and they change direction. They see danger and they change direction. The simple person, on the other hand, is the total opposite of the prudent person. The simple person is a naive person. They're a person who thinks that all their time on earth, all their experiences that they've had is enough to get them through life. They don't really, they know the word of God, maybe a little bit, maybe a lot, but they don't apply the word of God because they think they have it all together and God is just a genie to them. But the simple person, what happens? They keep going. And what do they do? They suffer. They suffer for it. The prudent person, when they see danger, they take evasive action. When they see that they're heading in the wrong direction, they're very quick to change course to get in the right direction, to get into the will of God, to follow the direction of God. But the naive person, the simple person, they don't take evasive action. They think they can handle it. There's a lot of pride in the simple person. And the proverb 27, 12, it closes with a very specific prediction. Actually, to be honest, it's a warning. The simple keep going and suffer for it. Suffer for what? For being oblivious to the obvious. For refusing to act on what they see. For being too stubborn and prideful to change the direction of the path that they are on. Some of us right now will say, well, Eddie, I have to be honest with you. That doesn't sound like a loving God to me. A God that would let us suffer, what's that all about? That's not love. God's love is in the warning. God's love is in the warning. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer. Well, Eddie, you may not understand my situation. You may not understand what it is that I'm going through. It's complicated. I got problems that need fixing. And you know what? You're probably right. I don't understand your entire circumstance or your entire situation. I don't. But I know a God who does. I know a God who does. And that God will probably say to you, your situation is complicated. 
He would probably say to you, your situation is tough. I know that. But you don't have problems that need fixing. You have a direction that needs to change. I want you guys to watch this video really quick. That's a video of my oldest son, Josiah, taking his first steps. For those who don't know, Josiah plays the drums in the worship band right now. <laughs> um, that video, my wife was not at home, so I had to record this super special moment for my wife to not miss it, because if I didn't record it, it would have been really, really bad. But there's something about this video that, that I just have to be honest with you. Uh, you may not have noticed it, but there's a whole bunch of clutter behind my son, and there's a whole bunch of clutter right in front of him that the camera doesn't show. My kid was inundated, surrounded by toys at the time. And when he stood up, you notice he went back down. And then what I did was I put the phone down, I grabbed him, and I put him back up. And I backed off so I could record him again. But then he fell back down again. As a parent, we all want our, you know, our first kid's steps to be continuous. And, you know, once they start walking, they never stop, right? That's what we want. But the fact that he fell down twice and he didn't attempt again, it bothered me a little bit. It bothered me a little bit. So then, a few days later, me and Jen were in the living room watching TV. Josiah's sitting on, on the carpet, surrounded by toys again, surrounded by toys. There was no space for him to go, surrounded by toys, like a circle of toys. They, they, you know, that's how he was. He's the only kid at the time. And all of a sudden, Josiah stands up. He stands up. And me and Jen were like, <gasps> don't move. Don't startle him. He might fall back down. This could be it. This could be the moment. But he stood up, and he looked around. And then it hit me. He can't maneuver. It's only a few months. He can't maneuver. He doesn't know how to navigate the obstacles of the toys that are around him. So what I did, very cautiously, without him noticing, is that I moved a section of toy away from him. I made a path that he could walk on without any toys obstructing him, without anything blocking his way. And he turns to the side. He sees what I did. And he walked. He's been walking ever since. I love that story about my son. Because that experience really touched my heart. And it gave me insight into a verse that is so near and dear to me that I have to share it with you guys. It's one of the most famous verses in all of Proverbs. I know you've heard it. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths. He will make your direction straight. Just like I cleared the clutter and the obstacles with my son and made a path that he should walk on obvious, if we put our trust in God, he will do the same for us. For each and every single one of us, 
He may or may not take away the problem. I can't guarantee you that God will take away the problem. That's a false promise. I can't do that. I can't guarantee you that he will take away the problem. But what I can guarantee you is that he will make the direction that you need to travel in obvious. Obvious. So that you know how to get up from under whatever it is that could be tormenting you or making you suffer or making you hurt or making you doubt, or making you lose faith. He will make the path obvious. God is the author of our stories, just like Solomon, who was looking at that youth, and he knew where that youth was going to end up. God knows that and more for each and every single one of us. God knows the outcome of every path that we have going on in our lives right now. He knows the outcome of every single one of them, of mine personally, of yours personally, of yours personally, of yours personally, of yours. He knows it all. He is that great, that amazing, that awesome. And he wants nothing more than for us to head in his direction, to avoid the things that he would, that he is that he is so passionate about for us avoiding because he cares about us that much. He warns us because he cares for us and loves us and wants nothing but the best for us. So I have a question for you. Is there an alignment between your intentions and your direction? Or are your intentions saying one thing and your direction is leading you somewhere else. If that's the case, then I hate to break it to you. You need a change in direction. You don't need more motivation. You don't need more ideas. That's not what you need. You don't need more money. You don't need more resources. What you need is a change in direction. For each and every single one of you right now in this room and watching online, I can guarantee you this. Every single one of you, there are financial paths. There are weight loss paths. There are parenting roads. There are degree paths, job trails, husband highways, resolution streets, wife boulevards, and relationship lanes. Will you be prudent And when you see danger, take refuge. Or will you be simple, keep going, and suffer for it? I beg you, I implore you. And I know that this is the heart of God talking to every single one of you right now. God wants you to choose. God wants you to choose wisdom. God wants you to choose his wisdom. God wants you to choose his direction. He wants you to choose his direction because at the end of that path, at the end of the direction of the path that God is placing you on, you will be dwelling in the center of God's presence. I guarantee it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much, my God, for what you have done here this morning, my God, because it is something that you have done, my Lord. 
I pray right now, Lord, over every single person here, my God, that you would give them your wisdom, my God, that you would give them your faith, my God, that you would give them your word, my Lord, that they would be confident, my God, that they would be bold enough, my Lord, to apply it to their lives, my God, that they would gain the understanding that you want them to have, my Lord, that they would, that they would see the obvious path that you have laid out for them, my God, that you would change their direction, my God, if they're heading in a direction that is not of your will, my God. I pray for that right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they would turn from whatever it is that is outside of your will, my God, that they would change course, that they would get on a new path, my God, that they would get on a new highway, my Lord, that they would head in a new direction, my God, a direction that leads directly to you, my Lord. And in the center of your presence, my God, when that direction is being made, my Lord, there is forgiveness, my God. There is healing, my God. There is financial blessing, my God. There is favoritism, my God. There is restoration, my God. There is redemption, my God. Lord, there are so many things that we can experience, but only in the center of your presence, my God, and only if we change direction and head towards you, my Lord. So I pray over every single person right now, Lord, that we would make that choice, that we would make that decision, that we would head down your path, my God in every area of our lives so that way we can dwell in your presence, my Lord. May we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. May we in all of our ways acknowledge him so that he can make our paths, your path, my path, straight. In Jesus' name we pray. Don't forget to change direction. Happy Mother's Day. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.